Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and to teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. At first blush might be the most important and dangerous cliche in this market. The first blush is often so wrong that you need to do everything you can to avoid being drawn into the maw of lunacy, or at least stupidity. They know nothing! Including on days like today, where the Dow gained 142 points, S&P advanced 0.12%, NASDAQ declined 0.01%. What makes the first blush so unreliable? Why can't we just take earnings at face value and immediately decide that something is either good or bad? Because it takes time to assess new information. Just like anything else, when you rush to judgment in the stock market, you're going to make mistakes. That's why you can't rely on the first blush to determine how a company's doing. Take Snowflake. Last night, the cloud data analytics company reported and the stock got hit immediately. But if you bothered to listen to CEO Frank Slootman on last night's show, you would have been a buyer, not a seller. Because it was a brilliant quarter. And that's why the stock jumped more than 4% today after opening down nearly 4%. The second blush, much more accurate. At first blush, you might think Beyond Meat setting itself up for a big quarter thanks to its deals with McDonald's and China KFC. That could explain why the stock's soaring, right? I mean, huh? But then you find out it's the Wall Street Bets gang. They're simply trying to break the short sellers here because, well, 25% of the float is sold short. The actions tell you nothing about the fundamentals. Although I do predict, like Mr. T in Rocky, more pain for the shorts. Tonight is one of the most special nights we've ever had in 16 years. Tonight we're testing the first blush, the first blush thesis to destruction. 
We're tackling not one, not two, not three, or even four, but five CEOs dealing with the pain of first blush impressions about everything from earnings acquisitions to ESG concerns that have suddenly come into focus, particularly after a group of insurgents without a lot of money snagged a couple of board seats at the once largest company on earth, ExxonMobil. How important are environmental, social, and corporate governance issues to a consumer-focused company? For that, well, we're going to turn to Mondelez, the snacking kingpin that's made one brilliant movie after another, including yesterday's $2 billion acquisition of Chapita. Don't know it? How about Oreos? We've got Williams-Sonoma with a big yawn after an amazing quarter. Well, then we have three first blush stories. Salesforce, which reported great numbers and got credit for them. Gap which reported unbelievable numbers but confused people, and HP, which clobbered the numbers and saw its stock get clobbered. Beginning with Salesforce. Yes, Salesforce. I want to start with what I call a blank slate, or maybe a blank face, face devoid of blush, to find out what's really going on, not in a hurry but with some thought. Here's a stock that's been stuck in a rut ever since it announced that it's buying Slack about six months ago. But when Salesforce reported after the close, they shot the lights out, delivering a strong top and bottom line beat. Excellent guidance for both this quarter and for the full year. And you know what? For once, the market actually likes it. Wonder of wonders, the first blush actually feels right. Let's dig deeper with Mark Benioff, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Salesforce.com. To hear more about the quarter and where his company's headed, Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, great to be with you, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right, Mark. Well, look, I, you know, there's so many metrics that you've given me this time that are great. I look at operating cash flow, which tells me you're making a fortune. I look at accelerating revenue growth. But you know what? I look at uh, different you know, Eastern Europeans up, uh, Asia Pac. But I also look at the fact that Dreamforce is back. And what will that mean? Jim, this was the best first quarter we have ever had. I think maybe it's the best quarter we've ever had in the company history. And exactly like you said, you can see these the revenue, the margin, the cash flow all vastly exceeded our expectations. And now we're seeing we're all getting back to work. And yes, Jim, we are going to have Dreamforce in person in 2021. Well, you know, that is just, I mean, it's its heartfelt. But I want to go over some just cold, hard cash things. So, so we had Sonos on recently. I was trying to figure out why they're great. Well, yeah, they're humble, but direct to consumer. Rocket Mortgage, we had them. Look, they're doing a huge volume. Dell, you know Michael Dell. We think the world of him. Honeywell, customer 360, we have them on all the time. 3M, I can't believe how well they're doing. These are all yours. They are always going to admit offline that they accelerated because of Salesforce. What are you doing for these companies that are so good for them? Well, I am grateful to all of those great customers of ours. Sonos is a great story. Look at that. The revenue is up 84%. We were able to help them go direct to consumer. So many companies are doing that, but doing that at scale 84% 84% growth really driven by our commerce cloud, driven by our marketing cloud, our sales cloud, our service cloud. We're able to build a single source of truth for all of those Sonos customers executed by Sonos. They're actually able to precision market to every customer, sell them exactly what they need. And you know what? Being at home, well, we've all needed more Sonos. I'm sure you have more Sonos too, Jim. 
You bet I did. I have it in every place. I just love it. Now, Mark, I love a company overview which has durable growth at scale. Well, we all want that. We want the number one CRM software provider. But there are three categories here that make it so that why you feel like you shine. Leader in philanthropy, leader in culture, leader in innovation. I thought that the way to make money in this country is nose to the grindstone, profit, 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 don't look out. These are the opposite. How do you meld these with making these kinds of numbers? Well, Jim, we're getting excited because Salesforce is getting ready to pass SAP and become the number one enterprise applications company in the world. And we did it with this incredible new value system. Just like you're saying, Jim, we so strongly believe business is the greatest platform for change. And while we have this amazing quarter and while our results are beyond our expectation, also our hearts are with everything that is going on in India right now. And we have so many employees in India who are suffering. And that's why we landed two aircraft in the last two weeks in India filled with oxygen concentrators and also pulse oximeters because we do believe that our role is to do well and do good at the same time. How did this become the way of doing business? I had uh, your friend Frank Slootman on last night, obviously. Snowflake, a little bit different way. Just knows the grunts and then go give the money away if you want to. But Salesforce has showed me that unless you do these things, you can't do great anymore. Well, we our performance is incredible. And you have to include the values that we've been able to deliver. That is, we run 50,000 nonprofits and NGOs for free on our service. We do more than 5 million hours of volunteerism. We've given away almost a half a billion dollars in grants. This is in addition to becoming the number one enterprise applications company in the world, the number one CRM in the world, helping our customers, just like you said, like Sonos, Rocket Mortgage, Dell, Honeywell, 3M, and also countries like the country of Japan, who's implemented our vaccine cloud and we're managing all the vaccinations going on in that country. Uh, or, for example, just right here, Lake County in the United States, we've talked about that, helping them to do their contact tracing and also their vaccinations. Or what we see right now is another lockdown going on in a Melbourne. Well, that's Salesforce's contact tracing system, helping them to isolate that virus so they can open back up. And all of this has to happen simultaneous. Look, we have 60,000 people. We're a fast-growing company. We have tremendous resources. We can do it all. We can do well, and we can do good, Jim. And, and I know there'll be some people who are very excited because you actually put a date to when Slack's going to close. Nobody seems to understand, except for you and me, that Slack's last two quarters were the best two quarters it has ever had. And the idea that somehow you don't know how to integrate after some of the greatest integrations. Will you please explain to people that the potency of Slack and Salesforce? Well, Jim, we can see these incredible companies that we've been able to acquire, like Exact Target and MuleSoft and Tableau have become a huge part of our performance and the ability to deliver to these amazing customers the solutions that they need. And Slack will be part of that as well. All of our solutions will become Slack first. Collaboration is the heart of the future and the heart of back to work. You know, as we go back to work, we're going to still be working at home and we'll be in the office and we'll be doing offsites and events. And we'll have new next generation training facilities and programs to onboard our, our, our culture. We'll do all of that, but we'll all be integrated with incredible technology like Slack. And then when you take, take Slack and integrate it with Customer 360, you can connect with your customers in a whole new way. And that is why I'm so excited about this acquisition. 
Are you surprised? Uh, I know you focus on your business. You know, I focus on your stock. This is the cheapest your stock has ever been in the uh, look. I've, we started talking in 2008. Do you know, literally on the numbers, it's the cheapest it's ever been. It, that has to end soon. Jim, you know, I don't understand the stock market, and you know that. We went public in 2004. That was after starting the company in 1999. Uh, We've delivered, you know, a tremendous number of public quarters since then. Here we are. It's the second quarter for us coming in now to fiscal year 22. It's been an amazing ride for Salesforce. I would have never thought that we would become the number one enterprise applications company in the world. I can't fathom that. It's incredible to me. And I'm so grateful to all of our employees and all of our stakeholders for all the tremendous support that they've given me. I am truly grateful to everyone. Thank you. And and I must tell people that those were not little planes that Mark flew to India. They were the big ones and they were filled. And maybe that's the takeaway right now. Not just the great numbers. Mark Benioff, chair and CEO, Salesforce on Mad Money tonight. We got a great show. And it started right then with Mark blowing out the numbers and making making sure the business is the greatest force for social change. Who is we got coming up? We got the CEO of Gap, Mondelez, William Sonoma. Hey, that's a Salesforce company and HP all tonight. You stay with Kramer, the most guests we have ever had. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
What do we make of these numbers from The Gap, one of our favorite reopening plays? This House of Apparel brand just reported what I think is an excellent quarter, but it is a little tricky. The headline numbers were phenomenal, a surprise 48-cent profit. The analysts were looking for a 5-cent loss, radically higher than anticipated revenue thanks to the strength at Old Navy and Athleta. Even better, management raised their full-year forecast rather dramatically. So let's drill down with Sonia Single, the CEO of The Gap, to get a clearer picture of the quarter. Ms. Single, welcome to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Good to be here. I have to tell you, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm thinking, is this a brand new gap? Because I see a gap that is uniquely ready for the so-called hybrid world. A, a gap that has clothes for home, clothes for work, clothes to work out, and, and it all seems to be coming together and we can tell that from these first quarter numbers. How is this possible? Uh, we feel great about our strategy, Jim. You know, we laid out the fact that we have these four incredible purpose-driven, powerful brands, lifestyle brands, and they are growing. And we're, uh, we delivered some great results for Q1 that I'm really proud of between Old Navy heading to its first $10 billion, uh, Athleta owning the uh, female space in the active arena, and Gap is healthy, growing, and cool in North America, and Banana Republic poised for the recovery. Uh, I also have to tell you that when anyone partners with Walmart, the world's largest brick-and-mortar retailer, it's going to go well. Gap and Walmart partner introduced Gap Home. Is this another leg to the story of Gap? We've said partner to amplify is a key component of our strategy way back, and You've seen us make some big partnership decisions. This is a, a new chapter for us. We're excited about the scale of Walmart coupled with the cool of Gap. And I'll tell you, the product is really great. It is relevant. It's modern. It reflects the brand. It is made with the planet in mind. So highly sustainable, highly cool. And the prices are awesome. Well, it, it does. I know they're very excited about it when I talk to them. Now, the couple of things that are coalescing. Um, Athleta, well, there's nothing hotter than that style. Denim, well, you've always owned denim, and it's just an incredible thesis. But the price points and lifestyle brand that is Old Navy demonstrates to me, again, the zeitgeist of America captured by one store. Are these sustainable trends? Because, boy, are they ever important right now. Old Navy is going from strength to strength. It's had you know, a phenomenal decade of growth. And this past quarter, we've seen the uh, acceleration. And it's driven by multiple factors. One is the product, right? The product, they are capturing the power of the and, which is what we're seeing in our consumers right now. The and of comfort and cocktail dresses and capri leggings. And the, also the power of digital and stores, right? People staying in and going out. So uh, they're executing really, really well. And then it's all being fueled by purpose-driven marketing, such as their collaboration with Magic Johnson on Disney. So uh, really pleased with, with the momentum. And then the introduction of new categories, whether it is the Intimates launch and the fact that they're already in the top 20 uh, Intimate providers in the U.S. and the upcoming Body Positivity launch in the fall. So uh, good momentum at Old Navy, we expect it to continue. Now, Gap is not afraid to change, and you're not afraid to change. I remember when Intermix was brought, bought, I was actually in an Intermix store in Georgetown. When it happened, they were shocked. Uh, I know that you've made some other changes that are willing to dispose of situations if you don't think they can be uh, 
fixed, and I'm thinking about Janie and Jack. So then the question comes to be a place that I like to shop at, but I'm not your demo, Banana Republic. <laughs> at what point do we just say, you know what, it's had a good run, but it's a distraction to Ms. Single's time? Well, I, I feel very excited about Banana Republic. Look, there's no doubt it was hit hard by the pandemic. But look at what you're wearing, Jim. Uh, look at the relevance of great uh, high-stakes occasion dressing. And post-pandemic, we're seeing that come back. We're seeing now uh, Banana take hold of its positioning and accessible luxury and the explorer ethos that that brand has always had. Uh, I'm pleased with the new team and how they're executing whether it was the flower, incredible flower windows with spring that, that captured our customers or whether it was the collaboration with Steph Curry, uh, we are seeing momentum build and so more to come ahead. All right. Now, my favorite actually is Gap. I wear Gap everywhere. I, my wife laughs because she says it fits so well. Who is it? And she's always expecting it to be Zania. She's expecting it to be some Italian brand that costs a fortune. I described the price point to her. She's amazed. And now you've got Yeezy. I feel Gap is a brand, a brand in the balance about to explode, especially maybe with this catalyst of Yeezy. How do you feel about the positioning of Gap right now? I feel great about Gap. Uh, you know, I've always said Gap is one of the most iconic brands in the world. And brands don't die. People kill brands. So what we have done is invested with creative audacity in the full potential of the brand. And we set a really high bar around excellence. If we're going to have stores, they're going to be light, bright, and happy and great. If we're going to have product, it's going to be beautiful, modern design, well-executed, great quality, great fit. And if we're going to do partnerships, they're going to be big ones. So that's what we're f focused on. Really pleased with the Gap team and how well they're executing. And let me ask you, how do you feel about international Gap? If we're strong at home, we can extend the brand around the world with confidence and momentum. And so as we're doing our strategic review, we expect that the partner to amplify model will take hold uh, I see kids in France wearing Gap logo as they head back to school. We see a lot of response in markets in Asia, in Europe for the brand. There's a, there's a lot of love for Gap. What we're doing is restructuring the business model of how we monetize the brand. And I think that that's really going to let us unleash the full potential of a globally recognized brand uh, you know, that, is, that shows up everywhere. I, I happen to love the uh, Gap that is in the, near the heart of Rome. Uh, right next to Hotel Arus, <laughs> and that is the most expensive hotel in Rome. Well, You're across the street. It's two stores. You've been, two floors. You've been there. Why can't you replicate that? And swimsuits okay, are gorgeous there. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, it's so funny you say that because I tell my team all the time, Jim, we must have this in common. It's my favorite store in the entire fleet as well. And there's a great story about that. I'll tell you about it offline sometime. But look, our brands and I'm, the, the, the experience in stores matters. And our stores are really, really important, as well as our digital momentum. We're a $6 billion digital uh, business as well around the world. So uh, both matter and showing up with excellence, with an experience that's unique and ownable uh, is really a big deal. So with that, I will say that uh, more to come on raising the game on experience. Well, I want to congratulate you on what you've done. A lot of people were worried about this brand because it is iconic, not just Gap, but the whole shooting match. And it is coming together in a way that I think a lot of people felt could not happen this quickly. Just a job well done. Sonia Single, great to have you on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Take care.
Guys, this one, I've got to tell you, don't judge in instantly about the numbers. The more you dig, the more you will like. Sonia Single, CEO of Gap, GPS, the new Gap. May have money's back here to the break. Home might be where the heart is, but as the world reopens, is it still where the profits are? The CEO of Williams-Sonoma joins Kramer fresh off earnings to break down the numbers and how the stay-at-home name might fare as Americans begin to venture out next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. All right, what do you do when a great company reports a magnificent quarter and the market can't, doesn't care? Last night, William Sonoma delivered a stunning set of numbers. We're talking a $1.09 earnings beat off a $1.84 basis, much higher than expected revenue, fueled by 40% plus same-store sales. That's right, 4.0. Even better, management raised the four-year forecast, even against some tough comparisons. They're talking about sales growth in the low double digits to mid-teens. They're willing to give a forecast. It's strong. Williams-Sonoma initially opened higher, but quickly reversed and finished the day down slightly. Now, some of that might be because the stock is now roughly up 550% from its lows last year, although it's pulled back from its highs over the past few weeks. Could be an opportunity. Stores not getting enough credit. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with the bankable Laura Albert, the president and CEO of Williams-Sonoma. Learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Ms. Albert, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. All right. So, Laura, people tell me this is not going to work post-pandemic. And when I come back and say, oh, are these post-pandemic values in-house design, digital first, and a set of values that determines how the organization works, are those things that just went out of style because we're beating the pandemic? No. Obviously, they're getting stronger. And you can see right now we're comping the pandemic time last year and really, I think, outperforming what anyone expected us to do. And we don't really see that stopping because we have so many um, growth initiatives that are ahead of target and they're all in their infancy. So can you imagine as they get going, not to mention what you just said about retail? I mean, you know, the customer is telling you that they, they love online. They also like to shop at retail and people who have both offer the customer a richer experience. So we're seeing, you know, retail sales come back, although even with the great numbers we just reported, our traffic is not back to where it was in 2019. So imagine 
as people get even more comfortable, how much more upside that channel has. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because right at the end of your call, you say we're still very small in comparison, not to other companies, but to how good our brands are. And you're going to reach that $10 billion faster than people expect. What gives you that confidence? Well, when you look at the strength of our core brands and you think about just West Elm, for example, take West Elm, you know, people don't even know West Elm. There's not enough brand awareness. And so as that grows and gets to the level of other brands, you can see that brand more than doubling. Then add on top of that, you know, inside our our current brand structure, you know, things like Marketplace for Potter Barn, things like, you know, the modern and the baby for the kids and children's home furnishing business, Williams-Sonoma Home. You know, we're seeing some incredible numbers there and we're just getting going with this new strategy. And so there's a lot of upsides, a very small business in a very large market. And so those are the things within our brands. But then outside of that, you and I have talked about business to business. What an opportunity that is for us, such a large market that is ripe for disruption. So business to business and and let's not forget global where we're doing very well and seeing great recovery and new markets to go to and improving margins. So there's a lot of um, runway for growth and a, a lot of different growth initiatives that have real legs that are proven. Well, Laura, when I see a, a, a West Elm number of plus 50, I start thinking, wait a second, are whole companies just adopting West Elm, writing a check to you and letting you take care of things? There's a lot of people doing that and we make it easy. I mean, there's not really anybody else who can design and customize for commercial spaces. And also we do it soup to nuts. So, I mean, you imagine you can go to somebody and get bedding or maybe you can get some lighting, but you can't get the whole thing. So it's much easier to come to us. It's not just West Elm. I mean, they buy some in West Elm, Potter Barn, Williams-Sonoma. We're seeing them all grow. You mentioned four things that I cannot believe you were able to triumph over. And they were all, they hit you all. Suez Canal, West Coast ports, container shortage in China, India, COVID. And you delivered these numbers? How is that possible? And what happens when those things get solved? Yeah, I was joking the other day that I've been doing this. I've been at Williamstown for 25 years, more than that. And there hasn't been a year where there's not a ton of challenges. I mean, think about it. There's always cost increases. There's always something we have to overcome, particularly in retail. So you sort of, you, you sort of get used to it. I'm not particularly phased by it. What I've also learned about our team is super resilient, great operating model. We've got people in Asia, and we're usually able to overcome these things better than most. So it actually almost, I hate to say this, but almost becomes an opportunity for us because we can get through it better than the rest of the people that are having to deal with it. Well, I do remember there was a time when you were unhappy with your quarter because you couldn't triumph over those. Now, when you go to your site, it comes faster than you say it's going to. So you've really got the logistics down. Another thing you've got down, people say, well, hold it, post-pandemic, I don't know. Well, how about... Storms for school. That's always a place people go. Gift giving. There hasn't been a wedding. There hasn't been a party in a year and a half. Aren't these things that play to your skill sets? Absolutely. Let's go through it. Hybrid work, here to stay in some form, right? Back to school. So backpacks, not a small business for us. Gear. And then, as you said, the holidays. I mean, Easter was fantastic. But Easter, we are still nervous. Can you imagine Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah? birthday parties, anniversaries, weddings, and then the gift giving, you know, here's my argument. If you don't have to be with people in person, you buy them less. 
If you have to open presents with your family, don't you buy them more? You don't want to be the one who didn't give the great gift. If you have to be at that wedding shower in person, you're going to buy more. So gift giving, I think, is really going to be a very big season for us. Now, another thing that, I, I, that really caught me by surprise, uh, when I looked at what you guys are doing, I mean, each, room, each time, it's a different room. I said, geez, I, I know she can't come from the bathroom, but what happened here with bathroom and pottery born? What, did just people just decide that's how you do a bathroom? No, what it is is that we have, we're seeing everything, Google queries up on renovation, bath renovation, kitchen renovation, home renovation. So, of course, Rejuvenation, which is a brand we own that's focused right. on renovation, is doing extremely well. But we also realized our big brands don't have enough bathroom accessories, hardware. You know, lots of people sell towels, but they don't sell the whole bathroom. And they don't do it at the same price we do it at, the same designs, and also sustainable products, which is increasingly important to people. So, you know, we, we have this great team of incredibly talented people who put together a business strategy within businesses. And you can just see, you know, the fulfillment when they bring this business to life. And we're just at the beginnings of this with um, the bathroom and also the kitchen. Well, I love what you said about you mentioned values. What what happens there is the way I look at it translates fewer promotions. Value proposition means fewer promotions, means full price, means great gross margins, means the lift you got in gross margins. These are numbers that aren't supposed to happen. Nine hundred and fifty point basis point gross margin expansion. That's not supposed to happen. Is that the solution, a value proposition that people will pay because they think they're getting a good deal, but they're getting the best stuff? Well, they are getting a good deal. And, you know, honestly, I think we didn't give ourselves enough credit before about our value proposition. I think the pandemic made us all think about what's important, what company we want to be. And we, we took some risks. You know, we took a lot of risks and they're paying off. And we decided that we're going to do all the things we always wanted to do with our people and with pricing. And we decided that we were going to get away from these promos. And we have. And, you know, there's going to be markdowns, Jim. I mean, you know, something doesn't sell you markdown, end of season you mark. But what we want to do is give them a great value with a first price. And we also have been building opening price point businesses. So at the same time, we're not running the promos. We're giving you a cheaper sofa, a better sofa for that price than anybody else's that is sustainable. But by the way, we're, we're doing some more both at the entry, but also at the high. All right. Well, look, here's what I'm going to do. After this interview, I'm going to send you what my daughter did to my beach house to make it into the West Elm house. You'll very much appreciate it because there isn't anything in there that isn't West Elm. Laura Albert, the CEO of Williams-Sonoma, another great quarter. Buyback of a lot of shares anyway. She, She is right. The brands are bigger than the stock price. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Guys, this is another one. I know it sounds tiresome, but it's also good to be right. This one's going higher. Mandy is back after the break. Coming up, as work from anywhere becomes the norm, will HP Inc.'s hardware make a soft landing for investors? All the earnings fit to print. Next. What just happened to the stock of HP Inc., the PC and printing business for the old Hewlett Packard? After the close, HP reported, and the headline numbers look great, but the stock still got crushed in half hours trading. While they had a terrific top and bottom line beat that was fueled by strong notebook consumer printing sales, there was some hair on the quarter, too. So let's dig deeper with Enrique Lores, the president and CEO of HP Inc., find out more about the results and what he sees going forward. Mr. Lores, welcome back to Mad Money. Very good to see you, Jim. 
Okay, so Enrique, I mean, obviously, this was a great quarter. You had strong double-digit growth on almost every single feature, beat on top and line, top and bottom line. And yet some people were worried that this is the last good quarter because we're going back to work. We don't need to develop new home offices anymore. What do you say to that thesis? First, that, as you said, we are very pleased with the results that we had this quarter. But probably even more important is that the underlying trends that are driving that performance are going to stay. We think that we are going to continue to be in a hybrid world, even when people will be coming back to the office. And this will continue to drive demand for our products, for our printers, for our PCs. We are starting to see demand on the commercial side picking up that will help us during the next quarters. So we are confident, pleased with the results this quarter. I'm very confident with the performance of the company going forward. I know when we first met, I was very concerned about printing. It looks like a net revenue, uh, $5.3 billion, up 28%. So printing obviously has come back and come back strong. Printing has come back strong. If you go underneath that number, you will see that in the consumer side, we grew 70%. We grew 40% on the commercial side. And on the industrial side, the new categories, we grew 45%. So overall, very strong performance in printing, which proves that the strength of one of the key strengths of the company is the diversity of our portfolio. And this has really enabled us to drive very strong results this quarter. All right. So what do we do with the fact there was an industry figure that came out that said that notebook uh, uh, semiconductors were down 9 percent in the last month? Is that something that might be the other guys and not you? Well, first of all, we, not, we should not look at the first month to do these comparisons. What we see is that the demand for PCs continues to be strong. We have been talking about the backlog that we have every quarter at the end of the quarter. The backlog at the end of Q2 was the highest we have ever had. It grew quarter over quarter. So we continue to see very strong demand on consumer. We are starting to see an acceleration of the demand on the commercial side. And this really makes us very to feel very confident about the performance of PCs going forward. All right, now, but you have taught me that free cash flow is a great way to, to uh, gauge your company. You're saying that you're going to have at least $4 billion. You know the consensus was $4.56 billion. Is that Enrique's classic cautiousness, or are there some worries here about free cash flow? Well, there shouldn't be any worries about free cash flow. We are prudent in the way we guide. We have said that our guide is at least $4 billion. We have done more than $2 billion in the first two quarters. And we continue to be optimistic about the performance of the company through the end of the year. All right. Now, I keep hoping that we will get together next. I always want to get together with you because you're a delight. And I will see you as the leader of 3D everything, not just 3D printing. Is it on the horizon? Well, we continue to make very good progress on 3D printing. We shared also that this quarter, our parts grew more than 40%, which is a very good number. And we are expanding our focus from printers and consumables into end-to-end applications, which is really where we see the, the future of the category. So we are confident on 3D, and we continue to see it as a growth opportunity for the co- of the company. All right. Now, you have driven this stock much higher than a lot of people thought it could go through excellence, through execution, also because of the pandemic. Uh, you have put a lot of money in repurchases in the first quarter, uh, $1.6 billion. Is it right to keep buying stock up this high? We continue to believe that HP stock is undervalued. When we look at the growth opportunities we have in our core businesses, in print, 
in personal systems. The adjacencies where we are starting to expand, like gaming accessories as we announced a, a quarter ago, the opportunities we have in the new businesses, in industrial printing, in 3D, all these drives makes us feel very optimistic about where the company is going to go. And when we analyze that, we realize that the stock price is undervalued today. A uh, last question. You know, I, I am a big supporter of yours. I've got a bunch of them. And uh, one thing I still love is that touch screen. I do not like it when I go to a screen, I touch it, nothing happens. How much do these new features matter to your taking share at HP? We continue to drive innovation across all of our PC portfolio. And now we are designing products to be used as communication tools, adding features like better cameras, better audio, which is really helping us to continue to win innovation awards. So we have a very broad portfolio, but a very, very strong portfolio that we continue to make stronger every quarter. All right. Well, thank you so much, Enrique Lores, president and CEO of HP, which has been a tremendous stock and such a better company than Enrique. It's really good. Not Dion did a good job, too, but Enrique is taking it to new heights. Enrique Lores, president and CEO, HP. Stay with Kramer. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Chris Reynolds, one of the famous talks. And then the lightning round. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Chris, let's start with Dan Maryland. Dan. Hey Jim, uh, you've had them on before, but I'm wondering if uh, clean energy fuels has run out of gas. It has run out of gas because we're not going natural gas. I'm sorry. Let's go to Jim in California. Jim. Hey Jim, I want to get your thoughts on the clean energy storage. I like that. Uh, on which one? I just did clean energy. Oh, on STEM. STEM's good. I like the idea of what they've got. Good infrastructure play. I'm not done. Let's go to Dale in Ohio. Dale. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm good. What's up? Hey, uh, I really love the automotive space, and I'm currently long for Thank you very much. You're and I'm welcome. looking for a little bit of uh, broader exposure. My stock is LKQ. You know I like LKQ. That's the best way to be able to make a new car from old parts. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concluding of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Important are environmental, social, and corporate governance issues to a consumer-focused company. For that, we turn to Mondelez, the snacking kingpin that's made one brilliant move after another, including yesterday's $2 billion acquisition of European snack maker Chapita. This stock just won't quit. So can it keep up this momentum? Let's check in with Dirk Vandeput. He's the CEO of Mondelez. Mr. Vandeput, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right. So, Dirk, a lot of people come on. They talk about ESG. They talk about socially responsible this and that. But you know what? Sometimes I think it's dross. Sometimes I say it's greenwashing. With your company, I think it's not only integral, but maybe even be the reason why you're killing it in the industry. Well, we try to be to be honest and, and try to do the right thing. I think it's the way you have to be as a as a company. And uh, we strongly believe in shareholder and stakeholder interests. And we try to make sure we balance the two. Um, we like to, to say that we have a differentiated approach towards ESG. Uh, 
first we try to understand where we make the biggest impact. We're not trying to do everything uh, that we could possibly do, but try to focus on the areas where we have a big impact. And second, we try to um, make sure that we have a measurable impact uh, with innovative solutions. And then three, we, we, we want to collaborate. We don't think we can do some of the things we would like to do uh, in, in, on our own. And so we are totally open to collaborate with, with others, NGOs, governments, other companies. So that's the way we think about it. And, and we believe it needs to be integrated. Uh, you, you cannot just try to achieve your financial results. You want to do your financial results, but you also want to do more than that. You want to make a contribution to the world, to my opinion, do what's right. Um, and our, our employees demand it, our consumers demand it, our investors demand it more and more. So I, I think it's, the, it's just the right way to do things, and it's going to become more and more important, to my opinion. Well, let's talk this, uh, this big acquisition that you just made, uh, uh, $2 billion for, for, for Chapita. To me, this looks like it's a high-growth European staffing company, but it's about Eastern Europe. It's about Greece. These are areas that I think needed help. You seem to have found a way to be able to help that country and also do well in those portions of Europe that are underserved. Yes, yes. It goes both ways, in fact. This is a company that's very strong in Eastern and Central Europe, 40 years old, uh, good growth. They're in bakery products and in, in pastries, cakes and pastries. So um, th- we can build on that because we are biscuits and chocolate uh, players. And so we can use their distribution and their presence to build our distribution, but we also can bring our brands to their products. Imagine a croissant with Cadbury chocolate or with Milka chocolate. On the other hand, they're, they've done really well, and, and the, the range of products that they have uh, has potential in the rest of the world, uh, particularly in emerging markets. So not only are we trying to build our presence on their presence in Central and Eastern Europe, we're going to bring their products to the rest of the world. So it's a real win-win situation, to my opinion, uh, and, and we expect great. to do well. Now, uh, a lot of people felt that snacking was something that really was a COVID-19 stay-at-home thing. I am beginning to believe that you've got a sustainable snacking company that will it, that will thrive even after the pandemic because of the numbers I'm beginning to see. Do you have confidence that that's the case, sir? Yes. Yes, I do. And, well, snacking was already doing well before the pandemic uh, in the sense that the categories we're in were growing around 3% a year during the pandemic that, uh, that went up. Um, but what we saw is that consumers have changed their consumers have changed their behaviors, and so they were consuming more at home. We see that come down, but not to the to the levels that it was before the pandemic. When they're at home, they tend to graze more throughout the day, so snacking goes up. We we see them declare uh, a high percentage of consumers said that they will snack more, that they believe that eating small meals is better than three big meals a day. Um, and as mobility com- comes back, uh, consumers tend to uh, also snack uh, a lot when they are mobile. So we don't expect the return to mobility to affect the snacking market. So we will see the continuation of the trends that we saw before. All right. Now, we got to talk about something that I think epitomizes what you've done. Uh, I have a bad Philadelphia accent, so I'm going to call it you, H-U. Probably can't <laughs> tell me from that. But I, get your ma- I got your email today like I do. Your emails are funny. 
They're, they make me want to just go and buy, you know, for instance, Crunchy Mint, which is my favorite, okay, the dark chocolate. What does it say about yep. it? No weird ingredients ever. You are a whimsical company that recognizes that to come at us with some sort of strict ideological approach to these brands would be wrong. How did you figure this out? No one else is whimsical about the, let's say, the problems we have with the stuff that's in junk food. Well, I, I have to give all the credit to the people that founded uh, uh, you. We, we acquired them. We worked with them for two, three years. And then we, we saw all the good they were doing and what they're building. And we said, yeah, we, we would like you to be part of uh, Mondelez. And they agreed to that, too. But they're the ones that have come up with this no-nonsense say like it is, be honest type of approach. And that's the style of who they are and, and uh, what, they, what they're trying to communicate with consumers. And it's clearly resonating. And, and it's, I think it's the right way to say things. And uh, um, the products are excellent, by the way. And so it's, it's really uh, the way consumers want to be spoken to. And, and that's what they expect from a brand. Total honesty, total clarity. And, and I think you is a wonderful example of that. Well, as your largest customer, you know, I feel that way. Now, uh, ESG reporting disclosure, a fantastic report. You're basically said in the industry, you are telling people what is right. And I want to know how many people come to you, Dirk, and say, you know what? I just have to copy you because you figured it out. You're the thought leader. Well, how do I do it? Because you are. You're the person who's thought about, about this more than anyone I've met. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but we have a lot of people asking about it, but it's a whole team that works on it. And I think the main thing is to, to listen to the stakeholders, have conversations with them, talk to consumers, talk to NGOs, talk to governments. Uh, for instance, as it relates to our cocoa approach, I've been to Ghana, I've been to Ivory Coast, sat down with the government, visited the farmers. It's about informing yourself, understanding what people really have on their mind, what's going wrong, what's going right, and then capturing that and, and, and having a clear program on how you make progress, measure it, and, and that's really what we're doing. So the, 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 the advice that I would have for anybody is, is talk to the people that are involved with your company, with your products, uh, and see what they have to say, and you will learn a lot about what they have on their mind. Well, sir, you are the classic example of what I believe, which business is the greatest force for social change. Dirk Vanderput, chairman and CEO of Mondelez. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always good to see you, sir. Thanks for having me, Jim. It's always good to see you, too. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. 
Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.